Well, excited to be here today and enjoying a water baptism service. And as we speak, the, the water is almost full. It's kind of warm, and kind of, right? The sun's going to come out any second now, and, uh, and we're just going to keep air from leaking out of the two holes we found. Anyway, it's going to be awesome. We're going to have so much fun. It's like, what? Why is it hissing at us? It's awesome. We love that. Hey, this is a final week of a series we're in called By Faith. And uh, you go, oh man, last day of a series and I showed up. No, it's okay. Each talk stands alone, but I am going to catch you up. What we're doing right now at Open Life is uh, both of our campuses is walking through the book of Romans. And not necessarily verse by verse, but almost. And we are covering... uh, right now, the second series of Romans called By Faith in Romans 5, 6, and 7. So we'll be in Romans 7 today. We talked about the depravity of man and how we just have this bent towards like missing the mark when it comes to our relationship with God. And then kind of hit on uh, being justified through faith alone, like it's by faith alone we're made right with God. And Paul, the author of this book, is writing to two, two audiences that are now trying to grow in a relationship with Jesus. He's writing to an audience of Jewish people who have forever known that their inheritance was the kingdom of God, and they've lived according to laws their whole life and tried to obey all the laws of the land. And then you have this other audience, they're called Gentiles. They're new to the faith thing. They've just been allowed to follow Jesus. And so you have this Jewish audience who's trying to convince the Gentiles to become like Jewish and some of their practices and laws. But you have these Gentiles that are like, but I thought all we needed was faith alone in Jesus and like life was going to get better. And managing that tension is what we're really going to hone in on today. Uh, So Romans 7 is where we're going to land. And boy, this is an uplifting big idea today. On your notes, and whether you're following digitally or physically, it says, sin is powerful. Wow, yeah, that's a big encouragement today. Let's pray. Let's go. No, I'm just kidding. Isn't that crazy? But that really is what Romans 7 is focusing in on in such a way that we understand our, the forces against us, I guess you would say, so boldly that we can find the way out. So we'll understand the forces so boldly we can find the way out. Uh, let's just jump into it. Romans 7.1 says this. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. Because you could be wondering what that point is, right? You're going, uh, so I'm, Paul, are you saying I need to go kill my ex? Is that what I'm understanding here? Because that's pretty much what I'm getting so far, right? No, no, no. Paul's like, no, here's the point. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Put down the ax. Verse 4. 
This is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. Thought number one today, the Bible won't keep you from sinning. I told you, there's all kinds of encouragement in this text today. This is powerful. Uh, Remember that the Jews are fully committed to the law. For 1,500 years, they've been all about trying to earn their way into right relationship with God through good deeds, through obeying the rules. And if they didn't obey the rules, learn the rules better and obey them again and see if we get it right this time. And then pay the price if we don't through sacrifices and all these other things and then try to obey the rules again. Like that's how they've lived since the days of Moses. They believe that with enough knowledge of God's law and with enough determination, they can be made right with God, stop sinning, and be sanctified. A little word we talked about last week and the week before that means the process of growing into Jesus' likeness. The process of growing to be like Jesus. So Paul's letting them know that their relationship to the law is over. And... They are dead to it, if you will, and it's time that they can remarry. He's drawing an illustration here. Paul uses the marriage analogy that when a husband dies, right, the wife is free to marry, and whoever she chooses without penalty, without feeling like she is in sin, and he was not teaching this so that they would go kill their exes, right? They are free from that responsibility. He was showing that we're able to marry ourselves and give ourselves to Jesus instead of the law. And he's trying to paint this in a way that they could comprehend it, this Jewish audience primarily. We've died to the power of the law, and now we're married to Jesus when we put our faith in Jesus as the Son of God, the price he paid on the cross, that he resurrected from the dead. We're celebrating even like a marriage ceremony today in water baptism. It's interesting when you think about it. We say, you know, it's the outward demonstration of an inward change. People who choose to get baptized after choosing to follow Jesus are going public with their faith. It's the ceremony of identifying ourselves with Jesus' death. That's when you go underwater. Baptism means submerge, right? So we submerge you fully underwater. And then is resurrection. So aren't you glad you're in a church today, especially those of you who are getting baptized that believes in the resurrection? Because wouldn't it be brutal? Let's celebrate the death of Jesus in water baptism. Next. No, that would be, that'd be a rough way to go. You try to get out, we're like, no, we're celebrating his death. Three days later, baby. You know, I don't know. But no, it's the death and resurrection And that's kind of like, whoa, I just identified myself with Christ. It's a ceremony, like a marriage ceremony, if you will, where we're identifying that we're united in relationship with Jesus. We're united with God. The old man is washed away. The new man is here. We're saved through faith in Jesus alone. But even Jesus himself was baptized. And the new believers in the book of Acts were encouraging those to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we practice the same. And I'm excited that some of you chose today to come and be baptized and 
We'll dismiss you when we pray at the end. You'll get your shirts and, and go change and go out there. And the whole church is going to come out. We're going to celebrate. It's going to be awesome. But maybe there's some of you here today that as you're listening to the freedom you can have over the power of sin today, you might go, I've never been baptized. I should celebrate as well. And we're ready for you, which I'll come back to at the end. We're ready for you to join in on the celebration. It's going to be awesome. And I promise... We believe in the resurrection, so you'll come up out of the water. That's just how we roll. That's how we roll here. It's all good. We have two people to help you out of the water. So if one decides not to let you out, the other will surely get you surfaced. And it's only like two and a half feet deep if the leak doesn't really go too bad. So anyway, it's going to be great. Um, the word covenant is kind of this interesting Bible word. It means agreement or like a, like a legal agreement, if you would. And the people that, that Paul is, is talking to, they've got this Mosaic covenant, this Old Testament covenant from the days of Moses. And, and Paul is addressing, addressing them saying, hey, you have a new covenant, a new legal agreement with God, not based on you trying to remember all the laws of the land or your power and strength and determination, but it's on Jesus alone. This, this new covenant is, is a spirit that's in you now and alive in you. This new covenant enables you to live a life that God would have you live. And just as the law didn't keep the, the Jews from sinning, the Bible doesn't now keep us from sinning. There's still this tension that exists. The law and the Bible just show us our sin, but it doesn't solve it. And so we live in that constant state of battle with this force called sin. It can be easy for us to believe that if we know more verses, we come to church more often, we go to small groups, we memorize scriptures, that all of a sudden we'll be stronger. And there's, there's truth will be more like Jesus and we'll be less likely to, to fall because we'll recall our way out. But the reality is... The force of sin is the same against you. It's still there. These desires in us that would lead us astray. The New Testament Bible, just like the law, continues to show us things that we should try to attain to, which makes sin evident in our life. Bible shows us we sin, but doesn't solve our sin tendencies per se. Verse 5 and 6 continue in Romans 7 as it builds on this, says, when we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. But now we've been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Thought number two, you can beat, or <laughs> that's the opposite of the thought. You can't beat sin on your own. You can't beat sin on your own. But did you catch that conclusion? A new way of living in the Spirit. I got to tell you, I'm excited because I, this, this today is, is like sin is powerful. Whoa, our enemy is real and it's kind of heavy, right? So I'm really looking forward to next week 
and the week after that and the week after that as we start a new series called By the Spirit. The concept's introduced here, but we can live in the Spirit. It's not some mystical way of living. It's just the reality that there's a new spirit in us, a new life in us when we choose to follow Jesus that gives us what we need to counter the power of sin in our life. And we'll be unpacking that for three weeks. But here, Paul is focusing in on something that maybe you hear as you read the scripture yourself, maybe your daily reading or whatever, and you read terms like old nature or flesh. And Paul's simply saying, man, living according to the law where your old nature and your flesh are trying to follow all these rules, that's not what we're called to do now. It's a common term that simply means um, the way you would go at it on your own strength. But now you have some strength inside of you, new life inside of you, that'll give you the power to overcome. What Paul's saying is, do you remember what it was like to do this on your own Jewish audience? It never worked, did it? Guess what? There's good news. God sent his son for you, and when you choose to follow him, you now have his Holy Spirit living in you, which gives you the strength that you never had to live in right relationship with God. It's great news for them. But he's having to convince them pretty hard here. He's like, do you remember what it was like to live under the law and fail forever, (laughs) generation after generation? Well, that's been overcome. God initiated a way for you to stop the cycle. A new agreement, a new covenant. The Spirit gives us a heart that really senses what God wants for our life. And it's beyond my capacity to comprehend how. But in the Old Testament, a prophet saw this. Listen to this. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27, speaks of the moment you and I choose to follow Jesus. Listen to this. And I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So that's why when I chose to follow Jesus in Salt Lake City, Utah in 1993 and walked out of the Delta Center at that time is what it was called. It was like the skies were bluer, the grass was greener, and there's no green grass in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's all brown. Anyway, so, you know, I was just like, wow, everything was literally new to me in an instant. My temptations were gone that I had towards a propensity to drink excessively daily. It was crazy. And that can only be explained, like, by that. Like, He literally removed this old stony heart and put a new one in. But my weakness would be to turn it back into a stone, right? I have to have that freshness, that new, his his mercies are new, everyday passion and heart. God's law was an external rule. But when we choose to follow Jesus, the transformation is an internal soul transformation communicated here with the visual of a heart. Paul wants us to understand that Jesus and the Holy Spirit has the guiding power for us to overcome the power 
of sin. We keep thinking that Paul's communicated enough, but he's going to go in such a cool way that I think we're going to relate to. He's going to keep pounding this subject. So let's move on to verse 7. He says, well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me, or that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. But sin used the command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. If there were no law, sin would not have that power. At one time, at one time I lived without understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands, which were good, right, to kill me. Verse 12, but still the law itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. I am all too human, a slave to sin. Anybody relate? I'm like, everybody raises their hand. Nobody raises? Oh, I'm the only one. Oh, man. Let me turn and pray. Uh, thought number three, sin loves rules. Sin loves rules. We see that the law is great and good here. That God's intent with the law was beautiful. But... We tend to want to put all these rules attached to the law, and, and they give us the knowledge of sin, and all of a sudden, it's like saying to a kid, don't touch, it's hot. What do they do? Reach for it, right? No. You can't buy that candy. Grocery stores, evil, right? You can't buy that candy. What do they do? They grab the candy. Try to get it from me. And you're just like, it's a battle. That's sin. Sin isn't intimidated by laws. It's like, you know, in the U.S., you might not realize this, we have over 4,500 criminal laws. Does that stop people from committing or breaking the law? Absolutely not. It just tells them what law they're breaking, right? The Jews that is the main audience that's being spoken to here, they had 613 laws with many sub-laws. There's a lot going on here. Did they sin less because of that? No, no, absolutely not. Every time a law was created, sin was going, yes, another way to pin them down. Sin loves the law, even God's law, because it creates opportunity to make more sinners. Kind of a weird tension, huh? Kind of a weird system. And so... But we're just reading the scripture. This is like what's tired. Paul, the author of this book, was no stranger to sin. He himself was one that murdered Christians before Jesus radically transformed his life. His name was Saul and met Jesus, became Paul. It's an intense moment. 
So he gets being the darkest, and he says he was the worst of sinners in other books of the Bible. So here's this guy who's the worst of sinners, and now maybe that's why he understands so wonderfully the tension of following Jesus, yet still sinning, and we're going to continue to fail, and we need to learn what to do with allowing this process of faith to work out. We're not instantly going to be perfect. So we shouldn't be doubting ourselves when we're failing but we should be finding the way to freedom through the Spirit in this battle. Man, you can hate sin all you want, but we need to follow Jesus because sin is going to keep coming after us and finding ways to trap us. Sin is way too powerful, and we're way too weak to win in our own initiative and strength. Sin loves rules. Romans 7.15 says, So we continue, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, but if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. If I try to handle sin independently on my own here, I'll always sin. Sin sin is going to take advantage of the rule and I'll always sin. But we're going but if I just don't look at those images again, God, just help me. I want to try not to then sin's going to come in and tempt us on those images. Okay, I'll I'll go this many days without these thoughts. Sin's going to just like, man, that's your, your target's the thought. Sin's going to come in and take I'm I am going to go this whole year and I'm not going to say one bad word. Right? Sin comes in. (laughs) Okay, I get it. I'm going to set my ways. Anybody use ways? The like map? We we just traveled to Eastern Washington and we were using ways. It was pretty cool. But here's the deal. On ways, you know, it's giving me my commute time pretty stinking accurately, but you can have your speedometer there on it and it'll like flash at you when you speed. I'm going to set my ways God, in between you and me, I'm going to be a man of integrity. I'm going to set my ways that if I go one mile per hour over the speed limit, it's going to notify me. Sin's going to come in so fast, I'm like, close that app. Man, let's just move on. Isn't that awful? We're not meant to handle sin on our own and our own rules and our man-made regulations. And God just wants to come and give us strength to become more like him. And all of a sudden, we won't even realize it, but we're not doing those things anymore. Verse 18 continues. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. The power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Paul just beautifully gets to the tension point in a way that's going to relate to this Jewish audience following the law. Thought four, sin always wins. That's a 
crazy statement. And honestly, when the communication team came up with that one initially, there was some great pushback <laughs> when we were planning this talk. But sin always wins, and, and it, it makes sense, actually. As a follower of Jesus, in our minds we say, I, I want to follow Jesus, but there's this war waging at all times that will win if we go against it on our own, without the Spirit. We say, I want to follow Jesus, and, and, and then we sin, and we think, what, what did, this, did, did something go wrong here? I just need to battle harder, fight harder, and we get in that same cycle of do more, know more, obey more. And I think Paul's writing to not only himself and his own personal struggles, but these new followers of Jesus. He wanted them to understand, hey, you're going to sin. It's powerful. It's like gravity. It's still there. It's never going to go away. Verse 24 says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Sin always wins, Paul's saying to those Jewish audience members. He's going, sin is going to continue to win. If your goal is the law and regulations, you're going to fail. Sin's going to dominate. It's more powerful than you can handle. However, there's good news. And here's where it all turns in Romans 8, 1 and 2. Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ, Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the living, life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Thought number five, and our final thought today, the Holy Spirit always beats sin. God didn't send us a condemner. He sent us a savior. Why? Because we're going to sin. The temptations are going to come against us, and we're going to fail. We're going to sin. But you know what we need in that moment? Not another rule. We need the grace and the love of God to pick us back up and help us go out another day. And we're going to have this very dialogue Paul had with his audience, where it's like, I hate this. Why do I keep doing this? God, in that moment, instead of beating us up and making a new commitment to God, I'll try harder, I'll do my best, then this is where now we just go, God, I need your grace and forgiveness right now. And just like the woman that was caught in adultery, Jesus will look in your eyes and say, where's your condemners? Because he frees us from that condemnation. That's what Jesus does. That's what the relationship with Jesus offers us is freedom from condemnation. An interesting illustration would be like sin would be gravity, right? If we're at 38,000 feet and, and somebody lets go of us, we're going to fall. It's just going to happen. But if you all of a sudden bring in the spirit or maybe this uh, correlation would be uh, the law of aerodynamics and you're in a plane now at 38,000 feet, you're not falling. Why? Well, you found the way to continue to fly at 38,000 feet without falling. You're, you need to be in a plane. The Spirit is that plane. Life in the Spirit is that plane where the force of gravity is still at work, but we can now go from this place to that place under the power of the Spirit working in us. God's freedom from condemnation. Man, we need to take his power into account and thank him for it and trust his work in us. We need to go at this together or else we're just 
going to fail, right? So where does this lead us? Our action point today is we need to live depending on God. What does that mean for you? Great question. That's where the back of your Connect card will help. Uh, maybe you want to jot down a prayer request of something you're wrestling through or, or you need to check a box or maybe you need to choose today to follow Jesus so that you can all of a sudden have that spirit of life within you so that you'll know that new heart has become alive in you. You've begun a new life and you find yourself in a position to not condemn yourself to death when you fail but to reach out and embrace the forgiveness that God extends to us. And eventually, all of a sudden, we'll find ourselves overcoming the very sin we used to stumble into. God doesn't condemn us, but for, provides a way for us to continue living dependent on Him. We need to depend on God. Today, maybe for you, uh, you've been continually failing at something, and you just want to break out of that. Thank God for forgiving you for it. Stop beating yourself up over it. Just thank him because he loves you still and is showing you eventually a way out of that sin. Maybe overcoming sin isn't so much about saying no as much as it is about saying yes to God. And if you've never done so, or maybe you think you're so unworthy to receive forgiveness because you've done so much. No, there's, there's no amount of sin that can separate you from the love of God. And we'll be unpacking that in the coming weeks for sure. Maybe I, as I was getting ready for today, I thought the, the word that I really want to exit out of my dialogue with God in my prayer life is I'm trying. I'm trying. Because that's all about me. I want to thank him for the strength of his spirit to get through things instead of go, okay, God, I'm trying to get over this. No, it's not me. It's the spirit that is alive within me that's going to help me get through. Man, if you say yes to Jesus, or maybe you have said yes to Jesus, I'm going to, I'm going to do a couple things today. One, if you've never said yes to Jesus or chose to follow Jesus as Lord of your life, today I'll, we'll, we'll pray in a second. I'll give you an opportunity to do that. But the second thought today is this reality. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and, and we're going to stand up, and, and uh, I'll have an opportunity for those that want to be baptized in water. You're going to go. You're going to change into your clothes. You get the right size shirt. You're going to get that. Uh, get ready, and we're going to go out about five to ten minutes after we dismiss and do the baptism. And... Uh, as well, maybe today you came and you weren't planning on doing water baptism. You're just like, I'm here to support somebody, but you're realizing, man, I've never gone public with my faith. Well, here's the cool thing. We're going to video this. We're going to capture it and uh, to where we can share it with our friends so you can literally make the decision today to follow in obedience to publicly confessing the inward transformation happening in a relationship with Jesus and get baptized if you want, if you so choose. And we've thought of it all, man. If you need shorts or flip-flops or, or shirts or towels, we've got it all back there. You could literally come out of the water. We have hair dryers and lady things. I have no idea what they are, but they're back there. That's all I got to say. And, um, 
And so we've hopefully thought of everything. If you so feel that unction today that, okay, I'm just going to go for this because I'm not waiting one more day to obey God and to just get my heart surrendered to him and go public with this faith in Jesus that I've discovered. So I'm going to pray. And if that's you, if you're getting baptized, uh, if, if family members want to help you get ready, you can as soon as I say amen. But God, I thank you for everybody here today. And I thank you for the opportunity we have to celebrate life transformation. That's what we're celebrating today in two different ways. One, in this dialogue that Paul was having with sin and with the Jewish people and Gentiles in, in Romans 7, we're celebrating transformation in the way of a new heart. A life guided by the Spirit. An opportunity to say thanks for forgiveness and living in a way that is not bound to sin any longer. The sin's pressures are there. We're going to stumble and fall, but we know how to find our way out of that downward spiral. And that's embracing the one who does not condemn us for it. Jesus, we thank you. And if there's anybody in this room that's not reached out and chose to follow you, Jesus, I pray that they would do it right now, that they would choose to follow you. I pray that, God, you would give an opportunity to um, those who have yet to be water baptized to step out today. That you would stir in them right now, man, the way I can grow closer in a relationship with Jesus is going to be Follow in obedience to water baptism, publicly confessing my faith in Jesus. God, whoever is needing to receive that today, I pray that they would just jump to their feet when we say go in a second, and we would celebrate with many who choose to follow you. In your name we pray. Amen.